Hello, welcome to our Lighthouse podcast. We hope that this message brings inspiration and intent to your day. What a week, eh? Floods again. So we had, uh, I was speaking to some of our pastors up in Lismore. Poor Lismore, huh? They've just been inundated with floods. In fact, they've had two 100-year floods in a month. Imagine that, you know. Uh, somebody said to me recently this week that uh, um, Wollongong Council are talking in terms of one in 1,000-year floods because the one in 100-year come every 30 years now or something. And so it's, it's quite amazing. And then the ocean at the moment is pretty wild. And, and then there was the Will Smith slap. <laughs> Goodness me. I don't even know what to do with that. The Will Smith. I've even used it as a, you know joke occasionally this week, you ought, you ought to, you know, do the wheels, you know, I mean, I'm sure you have. It's an, it's a, it was quite a thing. It made me think about power, this is not my message, but I'm you just, you know, like a little preamble, if you don't mind. Uh, it just made me think again about power. I wrote a whole chapter in my book, Rethink It About Power. There's something about power, when you get power, it's a great responsibility, isn't it? Because somehow, I, I think the big thing... Uh, you watched it a hundred times anyway, so I'm talking about it, Will Smith, uh, is that somebody could sit there after doing a violent act and not be uh, dealt with. I think that's an unusual thing, but that's a result of what power does. When somebody thinks they're powerful, they think they're above things. We see it in the church, actually. It's one of the great problems of the modern church, where uh, men and women, often particularly men, get to a point in leadership where they believe they have power, and therefore that power blinds them to the idea that their life uh, can be different than everybody else, and that's not true. A couple of things you should know about power. Number one is that God is the only power. It's the first thing we should know, and that to have power is actually to lead or live in humility, not to lord it over people. And whenever power lets you believe you have the right to do something wrong or uh, detrimental to somebody else, and that power immediately is being misused. Now, I think uh, God is dealing with power culture in the world today, and I think he deals with it in the church as well, because God doesn't want leaders who believe they're powerful and therefore over everybody or better than everybody or able to uh, lead in a way that damages or hurts other people. Power is something that we have to hold very lightly. And my experience of power is that the more responsibility gets given to you, the more you have to maybe do what I'm talking about today, actually. So maybe it does fit. Um, maybe it is a segue. That you have to recognize that the more God gives you responsibility, the more actually he wants you to be humble and have humility about those opportunities that he's given you. I'm glad, not glad, that God is dealing with his church. Uh, it's not nice, it's not great, but God loves people and he's, he does this thing that I'm going to talk to you about. He does a thing because he does a thing that always brings alignment from our actions back to our heart. He does a thing whereby we only for a time get away with living a false self in a way that he always creates situations in a way that you then have to face your true self. There's a gap. 
And I want to read out of Luke 9, 57. It's called The Cost of Following Jesus. Next week, I want to speak about value versus cost. You know, when you think about Christianity, you think of the cost of following Jesus. And it can be feel fairly negative. Or um, if you're like me, I, I purchase things uh, or give myself permission to purchase things based on cost. But actually, can I tell you a better way to live? You should live from value, not cost. You know, if I lived from uh, cost, I'd never buy my wife flowers. But if I live from value, I'll always buy her flowers because cost doesn't matter in that context. So next week, I'm giving myself an ad for next week. Next week, I want to teach you how to live from value, not cost. It's a whole different way to live. Set you free. But today, I want to talk about the cost of following Jesus, but I want to talk about the thing Jesus does, the thing. It's a highly thought out title, the thing. As they were walking along the road, Luke 9, 57, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. What a great statement. What a man. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me, but he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Fair request. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Nice. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Well, Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So today I want to talk to you about the thing, the thing Jesus does, the thing Jesus always does. You know that thing? The thing he says to you and I, when we profess to be something, we really believe we are, but we're not. The thing Jesus does, the action he takes, the response he gives to us, making sure that the gap between who we believe we are and what we say about ourselves gets closed. And I read this scripture, I love to talk about scriptures that I think are awkward. You know, my team, we always joke around, Paul does awkward well. I love awkward. I love those awkward pauses in conversations. I just like, I think there's something powerful in awkward. Like, and I've got to fill it. I have a professional supervisor with my role. I need as much help as I can get, trust me. He is the king of awkward pauses. He'll, uh, he'll ask me a question or he'll say something, and he just, he, it's on Zoom, he just st st he stands at his Zoom. Time, time. I just want to fill that space with words. I just want to, uh, somebody make some noise in that awkward void. He just stands there for a long, long period of time. And then I give an answer. Then he says to me, I don't want an answer, Paul. Well, how rude is that? I've got several answers at that point. If you give me 10 seconds, I've thought of four or five answers, good answers. He says, no, we're just going to pause. What, you, what do you mean? I, I, I know what he's doing. He's getting me to think about what I just said. That's what Jesus does. That's the thing. And in a crazy busy life, Jesus is always doing the thing. But unless you can have a pause, an awkward moment where you'd go, oh, there's something different about what I just said 
to who I really am. And if you don't have time to do that, it's okay. Jesus keeps doing it. I mean, this guy just says, I, wa- I just want to bury my father. I mean, that's a fair request, everybody. I just want to bury my father. To which you should say, normal humans would say, I'm so sorry to hear about your father. How can I help? I'll be praying for you. Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. I mean, I get the feeling, don't employ Jesus in customer service. I mean, imagine if Jesus was working in a cafe. Right, uh, Jesus, I'd just like a, uh, just a large flat white, thank you. We're done. Oh, forgot my wallet. I'll just need to go back to the car and get my wallet. No coffee for you. Nobody who goes back to their car to get their wallet deserves coffee. <laughs> It'd be terrible. He'd be offending every customer that came in. I've been to those cafes, by the way. <laughs> Not here, of course. But I don't think Jesus is, like it seems like he's condemning. It seems like he's been a bit abusive. It seems like he's being uncaring. I don't think he is. I just think he's doing his thing. And his thing is described well in uh, Proverbs 25. It says that the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters. But one who has insight draws them out. Jesus is the one with insight. You know, today, Jesus knows you. It is hard to believe, but he knows you better than you know yourself. I know we say that in church. It sounds very cliche. It sounds right. I want you to think about that. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. So Jesus has the authority and the ability to draw from you what's really in you. That's his thing. He's been doing it for centuries through the circumstances and situations of humanity, and he still does it today. And I would suggest that now that we have Jesus in us, his spirit inside of us, he regularly and often is doing a thing in your life and my life to ensure that what you say is what you really believe and live from. Jesus will always be the person of insight who draws from within us who we really are. That's his thing. It's hard to believe that this whole conversation, by the way, started off the back of people who were declaring with great conviction that they will follow Jesus. They're they're in their moment. They're doing their thing. Jesus is around. I want to say the thing. I'm in the company of spirituality. I'm in the company of a savior. I'm going to say what I think is the most appropriate thing to say to that savior. I want to follow you. Jesus, you would think, would be excited. He would celebrate But actually, he says something in a way that he draws it out. You know why? Because Jesus can spot the difference. I think I've, in my life, many times, fooled myself, tried to tell myself, uh, Paul, what you just said is what you really believe or what you just professed was really what you're willing to do. But actually, 
through circumstance or Jesus saying something inappropriate to me, I discover that there's a misalignment between my words and what sits at the seat of my life. And don't worry today, even as I talk, you might feel I'm scared of Jesus or I'm worried about Jesus or I don't like that part of Jesus, but actually because we don't often understand him, it is a great love act he does towards us. It's a great love act when Jesus spots the difference in our life. Uh, I can get tired over a lot of things, you too, right? Life's pretty tiring. This last few years is tiring uh, to navigate. But there's definitely one thing that makes me tired that I've had to learn is uh, around all the time. Not living authentically makes you tired. In fact, it gives you stress. Outwardly saying things that don't match who you are is a form of stress because you're having to be something you don't agree that you really are. I'm not just talking about, you know, we, we all sin and we all... I'm talking about this consistent, you know, it might be like in this thing, Jesus, I want to follow you. I will follow you everywhere. But you, you know you're barely getting yourself to church. I will... Jesus, others will turn from you, but I would never... I mean, is that not the classic disciple statement, Peter? Just constantly declaring his loyalty to the Lord, but incapable of fulfilling it. Proverbs 27, 27 19 says, As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. The problem is sometimes our heart's not in a good place. And if our heart's not in a good place, we feel more compelled in certain rooms to say things. Sometimes our uh, heart makes us do things our body's not ready for, like Andy going for a surf yesterday. I mean, he, I mean what's wrong with you? The, the waves are like five-story buildings and you're going out in your surfboard. There he is. Well, that was the Holy Spirit, that thing there, by the way. That was, that was Jesus doing his thing right there on your, on your head. Yeah. No surfing for you. How come you didn't ring me? What a, hey, what does that say? <laughs> I didn't answer, yeah. Oh, Andy's ringing again. Yeah, all right, it's twice this hour, right. <laughs> uh, don't say something. Jesus is saying, that you're not willing to back your life up with. It's okay that you don't want to follow Jesus. I've, said, I've been saying that for 20 years. It's one of the things I love about following Jesus. I don't have to. Isn't that great? Woo! I feel released. How good is it to be involved with a God who clearly says, you don't have to follow me. Not you have to follow me, you have to follow me, you have to follow me. He clearly says, you don't have to follow me. But if you choose to, if you choose to, then off the back of your confession, let your life follow. And Jesus in this moment, you know, the older I get, 
um, or maybe the more mature, maybe, that could be an overstatement there, is I promise less. Young man syndrome. Promise a lot and under-deliver. Older man syndrome. Promise less, over-deliver. That's what I tend to do these days. I often uh, tell my guys, or I'll tell some pastors, and sorry if you've been here this long, but uh, I, I always get embarrassed, you know, 22 years ago when I became senior pastor and I did my first few Sundays here and I remember uh, standing up before the church and saying, in one year's time we'll be 2,000 people and in two years' time we'll be 4,000 people and that was my vision for the church. I thought, young man, you'll grow up. (laughs) Because sometimes we feel compelled in the way we want to please other people Say things that God never really was saying, but it helps us look good, sound good, and be good in environments. Now, Jesus just goes, I can spot the difference right there. I need, you need some time for your character to catch up with your promises. You need some time for who you are. It's not wrong, you're not bad, Paul, but you've just got to learn that your character's not ready yet for the things your mouth is saying. And I can't tell you how many times over the years the Holy Spirit has spotted the difference and brought circumstances or situation. You know, there's been times where I've had no money and I've been, uh, I can tell, and I'm using that for a reason, for, that's why I don't give, I, I don't tithe, I'm not very generous, I don't have any money. But you know when it really messes with you, when God gives you more money than you think or were expecting, and now your reason is I, 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 you haven't got one. It's the same principle, no money or money. Neither of those two things are, in fact, uh, right. I haven't got any money or I've got too much money. Neither of those things matter. What matters is what you believe about money. And whenever what you believe about money is different to what comes out of your mouth, then God creates a situation or a circumstance whereby you have to face and stare at your own personal view of God and money. He just does it all the time. He does that thing. So annoying. In Matthew 7, 13, headed the narrow gate, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, wonderful, and its, its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. I find that, that I find difficult, that scripture everybody there's a crowd it's a crowd running down one road but the other road the one towards God it's a bit narrow it does get a bit squeezy and you can feel God hemming in my thoughts I can feel God aligning my words that sounded wonderful and I would say to you as I would say to myself as I have said many times here don't don't do Christianity because it's what you've always done Do it because you love Jesus. And if you love Jesus, apply the disciplines. Read your Bible, pray to him, talk to him, have a relationship with him. But don't sit in congregations whereby somebody made you, you know, whereby my parents were Christians, so therefore I'm here. I don't really know why. I've never really thought about it. But I tick the box and go back to my own life all week long. I, I think God just says, I spot the difference. I'd rather you be fully for me or not for me at all. 
And I think the great uh, learnings of the last two years is he just sorted a bunch of Christians out. Just pe- pe- some people literally abandoned their faith in the last two years. But really, did they? Did they abandon faith or was it just it wasn't there anyway? I think the great gift that Jesus brings to us is unfortunately the feeling of narrowing. <laughs> is the feeling of we're running, a, we're in the field and we're running towards the fence and we, we, we expect to leap over it. Then we realize the fence has got this gate. It's just like, not, I don't think we're all going to fit here, people. The fast will make it. That's what it feels like. But actually, it's not that. It's a, it's a slowing down of our lives by God in a way that we fit into his purposes and his will. I always feel responsible as a pastor for every single one of you, actually. I probably waste, wait, not waste, that's the wrong word. I probably spend too much energy worried about my flock. Worried, are they... They're here, but what are they like during the week, Lord? They're sitting in worship today, but are they in worship in the jobs that they do and the way that they live their lives? I think about that a lot. And I really want to continue to keep encouraging you that God, if there's a narrowing or a feeling like God's trimming things off our lives or he's asking those questions or he's saying in your moment of, Go, let the dead bury the dead. Like this poor fella here. I want to say goodbye to my family. Verse 61, it says, it just says, I will follow you. Good, that's positive, mate. Thanks for saying that. That's good. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. Another good, I would do that. I would say goodbye to my family. Probably need to mention it to my wife, just quietly. No, yeah, we're done. Heading off for Jesus. Jesus, Jesus just sort of says, anybody, verse 60, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And I think about this, and I, I realize something. Jesus knows something that he doesn't know yet, which is the decision to follow Jesus is often, often threatened by the things we love. And I think Jesus knew this. Jesus knew if that man was to go back to a group of people clearly that love him and that he loves, him, he loves them, and if he, in that environment, the pressure to reconsider his decision to follow would have been massive. If you were to ask me, I'm coming down now. I haven't done this for a while. Let's get serious. If you were to ask me, What's the biggest hurdle of any Christ follower I've noticed over the years? It's love. It's to me, it's like people will follow Jesus until they find someone or something they love more. And if you ask me as the old youth pastor way back in the day, I would have young people say, you know, I'm just going to go out. I know, I know he or she's not a Christian, but I'm going to go out with them to find out how I could help them become one. But what I've noticed in that environment of love 
is that love of someone or something is more powerful given air and time. If you give it air and time, that love of that person usurps the intention of the love that person was meant to have for God. I can't tell you how many times. Annette and I, I'm nearly done. Annette and I over the years have a, always have a little smirk. Um, when when uh, many times Christ followers are, you know, just being very consistent, very committed, say here at Lighthouse, and then out of the blue, they come to us and say, Paul and Annette, we just want to tell you we're 100% behind you. And we're like, what? Well, why is that? You've always been here. What's, why are you saying that? Well, that's, and a month later they leave. <laughs> or, they give the, or they give the sportsman's response. We're just, Paul, we want you to know we're 110%. Could somebody teach sportsman maths? <laughs> we just want you to know that we're 110% behind you. And then they go. And I've realized something. When we recognize an imbalance between heart and mouth, we overspeak. It's almost like we're trying to convince ourselves. And I want to encourage you. Jesus did it not because he's been difficult, not because he wants you to leave your family for some mission trip that you've got uh, coming up. But Jesus recognized something. That our emotions, our love interests, whatever they are, can be very misleading. They mislead us away from the narrow gate and the life God's called us to be. I would encourage you, those people, like I do, I profess my intent, I profess my purposes is to follow Jesus, I profess my 110% to Jesus regularly, like a good sportsman. And yet, Jesus just says, not because I don't love you, Paul, not because I don't believe you. I just want to check that what you're saying is what you really intend to do. Because if you don't, Paul, you're not living authentically. But I think this, Jesus comes alongside us and says, hey, but how could I help you live out what comes from your mouth? How can I help you? Let's slow that down a little bit, Paul. Let's be honest. Right now, you're saying 110%, but you're probably at about 50. Let's work with 50 Let's work with what we know, what we've got, what we understand, what I can do something with. Then as I do that, let's pray. Father, I thank you for each and every one of us. Lord, I thank you that you do do that thing. It does, uh, is a bit abrupt sometimes, does uh, intersect across some of my plans and intentions. Lord, I thank you that you know me more than I know myself. I thank you, Lord, that today you are the one that uh, draws from within us who we really are. And you hold it before us. And Lord, your intention is that we live in authenticity. Sometimes we're good, Lord. Sometimes we're not. And that's all right, Lord. But we want to walk with you openly, honestly. Or we don't want to just get ourselves in environments where we say things because we feel we have to. That's what others would want. Lord, I pray today that there would be an alignment rather than people uh, walk away from you, there would be a step up to say, God, help me live internally what I've always professed outwardly. Said by my actions, I said I'm with you, I'm for you, but Lord, today help me 
rebuild relationship, authenticity, and my faith towards you. Give me circumstances that require me to lean on you in ways I've not done in years. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Please connect with us at a differentlight.com.au or join us at one of our Sunday gatherings.